You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Welcome to The Good GP. I'm Sean Stevens, and today we're interviewing Professor Kenneth Classen, a Professor of Operations Management at Brock University in Toronto, Canada. Ken's main area of study is into the scheduling and waiting times of medical appointments, and he's recently published an article into the scheduling and waiting times of GPs in particular. Welcome, Ken. Hello, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Ken, first of all, tell us, what is operations management? Operations management looks at uh, basically improving efficiency, um, improving quality. Um, There's a number of areas in the operations management field, such as supply chain management and uh, project management, but uh, all kinds of other areas, including waiting times and queuing problems, are, are of great interest as well. Oh, that doesn't sound like you could help medicine at all. Is it? <laughs> of course, we can help every industry to become more efficient and, yeah. and, and increase quality. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think we could definitely do with some of that. So, what pom- prompted your interest in GP waiting times? Well, on a personal level, uh, way back when I was a kid, I I'd go to the doctor, and I I knew he knew when I was supposed to show up, but I'd still have to wait. So that was kind of a, a little niggling issue in my mind. And as most people do, we just accept it. But uh, as I got uh, into uh, finishing my PhD, it turned into a, a, a good area of research with lots of interesting questions and issues to explore. So you're telling me this is not just an Australian problem? Oh, no. Um, definitely a global problem. I mean, some countries some and some companies like private healthcare providers do better than others, but uh, it is definitely a global phenomena. Okay. So tell me, why is it that GP waiting times are significantly higher than other professionals, such as accountants, lawyers, dentists, and even some of the uh, <clears throat> medical subspecialists like dermatologists, for example? Yes. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think we need to first realize that this is actually a really hard problem the the uncertainty involved in a typical outpatient medical practice is large just with primarily with how long the consultations are going to take it's really hard to predict how long they'll take but also mm-hmm. the arrival times of the patients and other things that can happen such as interruptions during the service time so and the thing is it's an important service we we all need our medical service uh, there are many services that if we had to wait this long for, we just wouldn't bother. We just leave. But we need our medical service, so we do wait, and eventually the doctor gets to us. Yeah, that's interesting. I had, I'd never thought about it from that angle. We do hold quite a bit of power as doctors, don't we? We uh, People are willing to wait, whereas if you went to order a coffee and they kept you waiting half an hour, there's no way you'd put up with it. Exactly. And, I mean, of course, in most countries, uh, doctors are uh, – they're not – they're not overabundant. We don't have an excess uh, capacity of them, and so there are there's a lot of uh, a lot of demand and limited capacity in most cases. Okay, but that applies to things like dentists and medical subspecialists as well. What is it specifically about GP that you think? I mean, you mentioned a couple of things previously. I think there's a few ideas. Um, GPs do see a lot of people. I mean, a lot will try to see a patient every 10 minutes or so. That's a lot of people to see over a three or four hour clinic session. Um, I do think dentists 
are able to predict a little more carefully the amount of time a, a patient will take. That, like there's less variability in the length of their patients. So mm. that's a couple of reasons. In your article, you looked at a number of variables that affect patient waiting times, and you've you've mentioned a few of them there. The ones that stood out to me, well, there's a couple of them. Interruptions was a big one. And if you speak with GPs, that's a, um, a, a constant source of running late. But um, the other one that I was really fascinated with was starting times. And you were saying that physician lateness is a huge driver uh, for patient waiting times. Yes, definitely. Um, well, if you think about it, let's say a patient or a, sorry, a physician shows up, say, 15 minutes late and then works normally and the session goes pretty much as planned. That does mean, though, that every single patient through the entire session has to wait 15 minutes more than they would have if the session had started on time, assuming they're showing up pretty much on time. And so um, we did look at overall performance. We look at waiting time for patients. And we a uh, couple of statistics here. If a physician is, say, 30 minutes late, then all patients on average will wait 43% more than if the physician mm-hmm. actually started on time. Right. And so, yeah, that, that has a big impact on patient waiting time for sure. It was interesting in your study, too, you identified that there were serial offenders, basically, like they never show up on time. And certainly that's my personal experience. Yes. And I have to admit to being one of those to a small degree. But what you, you had some interesting solutions around that. Can you just run me through a couple of those? Sure. Well, one logical thing is to um, not schedule as many patients right at the beginning of the session. If, if the physician likes to show up a few minutes late, I mean, either schedule the first appointment a little late, but it might be more um, acceptable to the physician to schedule an, one patient right at the starting time, but then wait a little while. Um, I don't know what a little while is for various physicians, but maybe spread them out at first so the waiting room doesn't get all filled up and the physician can catch up. There were um, another, a number of other variables that you mentioned. One that I was interested in, and, and uh, your, your formulas, I must admit, gave me post-traumatic stress. Well, um, don't worry about back those. To, <laughs> back to second-year statistics. But you talked about the cost coefficient of physician idle time. Yes. What, what is that exactly? So, I mean, in this industry, it, it is true that physician's time is valuable. We don't, we can't afford, our, our society can't afford for physicians to sit idle. And so most of the time when people uh, research this, we tend to wait the physician idle time more than the patient waiting time. And that does tend to result in better schedules. Right. If we balance, if we try to make physician idle time kind of equal with patient waiting time, there'd be a lot of idle time and physicians would be waiting for patients uh, much more than they would be willing to do that. Uh, but yeah. so all the cost coefficient is, is it's how much the physician values their own time compared to the patients. And if a physician really wants to value their own time higher, the rules or scheduling uh, rules that come out have patients much closer together. So they kind of bunch them together. They all get there to the waiting room and the physician never has to wait. But if you if you reduce that cost coefficient to a more reasonable value, then it does spread the patients out more. So still minimizes idle time, 
but also reduces waiting time significantly. So it's not really a, a something that happens. It's not an environmental thing, the same as patients showing up late. It, it's kind of a decision by the uh, by the physician as to how to handle that. So how much they value their own time, how important they think their time is compared to patient waiting time. Yeah, so a general concept in all of this is if we value patients' waiting time, we won't bunch the appointments together too closely. We'll spread them out a bit more uh, so that the doctor can can get through the patients in a, in a reasonable amount of time instead of the patients filling up the waiting room. All right. So we've identified some of the big drivers of patient waiting times. Um, you mentioned in your article, and this is the bit that I'm really interested in, and I must admit I was a little confused. You talked about dome plateau dome scheduling pattern and descending step pattern. Now, the dome plateau dome was useful for a particular group of physicians who, who practice a certain way and they're descending step for another. Can you just run us through which group, um, which one is useful for and and how you would schedule that if you're that type of physician? Yes, of course. I, do th- I should mention that these rules get fairly um, precise uh, by the time we, we do all our math. Uh, it is actually more important uh, before you try these rules to do things like um, starting on time and not overbooking patients and so on. But once we have the system kind of figured out, then the, uh, the dome or plateau dome scheduling rule uh, has been shown by us and other researchers to be very robust to handle a wide variety of different scheduling situations. And basically what it involves is you start the session on time, but the first few appointments are set a little closer together. So let's say on average, uh, a patient takes 10 minutes in your practice. The first few appointments, you'd actually make appointments that are shorter than 10 minutes, Um, five minutes, eight minutes, however you can work that out. And then So what that does is it gets a few patients in the system so that the physician isn't idle. But then um, very quickly, within three or four patients, we need to start spreading out the the appointments a bit more. So if, again, if it's an average 10-minute appointment, you'll have some appointments then that will actually be scheduled as 15 minutes or, 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 or say, 12 minutes uh, to spread them out, and that reduces the waiting time. And so what, what we've done is... We've, in all of our analysis, we try to minimize physician idle time and patient waiting time. And so this pattern does both of those things. And then what happens at the, at the end of the right. schedule, um, it does help to bunch the patients together just a bit again, uh, partly so the physician can get out of there on time and um, just to uh, to make sure there's no idle time right at the end of the day. Yeah, I was a little confused on that point. So that seems counterintuitive. Why would you bunch patients at the end of the session so that you can get out on time? You would think that that would mean you're going to get out later. Yeah, that's an excellent point. It does depend on the scenario. There is less bunching at the end than the beginning. And I mean, at, at times we've run, say we say you have a clinic that has 20 patients or 25 patients, you might only shorten, say, the last two. It's, it's not very much, not very many. Yeah. Yep. So your, your intuition is right. Okay. So would you do that? Would you have, like, say you want to be out of there by 12.30, you'd bunch up two patients at 12, for example? Well, that would be one example. It, it all depends on the average appointment length 
that you want for your own for your own clinic. Uh, like if it was if ten minutes is the average, then you'd bunch that it would be later than twelve. Um, you might have one show up at say twelve oh five and one at twelve fifteen or or that kind of thing. I really can't give a number though because I each clinic is different. And the dome platter dome, you talked about. Um, a particular style or scheduling or number of patients per session that the dome plateau dome is good for. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? I don't know that there is a number that is better or worse for. Um, in all our in all our math, things tend to be more interesting when there's more patients, so larger larger session. No, but I think it could certainly work for for any size. If you only have ten or twelve patients, so sometimes uh, sessions are smaller that way. Then you do you do much less, much fewer patients would be bunched at the beginning. And then what about the descending? Yeah, it step works better pattern. for <laughs> when you have both physician lateness and lots of interruptions happening. That's when you may want to try the descending step pattern. And basically, you you it's the same as the dome or plateau dome, except you don't have the short patients, short appointments at the beginning of the session. So it's the same idea as what I said earlier. If the physician tends to always be late, you might want to spread them out at the beginning. So basically you start with the longer appointments right at the beginning and gradually reduce the length of them just to create a descending uh, step pattern or, or shorter and shorter appointments as the clinic goes along. Again, that's, right. that's there's both physician lateness and interruptions. Um, that's when that yep. works. Okay, that makes sense. So I know a lot of GPs uh, would say, okay, this is all good and well, love the theory, but I'll see less patients and it's going to affect my bottom line. How, how would you respond yeah, to those They're people? probably right uh, to some degree. Um, I have a, mm-hmm. a family doctor of my own who's wonderful in terms of he just really cares about uh, patient waiting time and if he's getting too busy, he'll have his uh, scheduler schedule people um, at after uh, his regular hours, or usually he'll actually put them in before regular hours start the following morning, which means he's not double booking, and he's still getting all the patients in, um, probably even probably even more than he he actually wants. So, um, yep. yeah, it, it again it comes down to how much we care and how much we can do about patient waiting. If, if it is something we're concerned about, then we need to do something. We need to somehow spread the patients out, um, whether that means, um, I mean, I would argue that uh, if you're seeing that many patients, you're probably working overtime a lot. So why not just schedule them differently so mm. that you actually plan to do those that extra half hour or, or whatever it is, and then the patients don't have to wait so long? Yeah, it's interesting because we've this has been a focus in our practice, and it's something I've done. Um, I've increased my appointment oh, yes. lengths, and mm. I'm finishing at the same time, but there's something psychological about seeing that finish time, and you're going, oh, no, don't tell me I'm finishing <laughs> at 7, oh. whereas before, I, I'd, I'd aim finish at 5.30 and I'd still be there at 7 and it would happen repeatedly. Um, so, yeah, there is some psychology that's, that's behind really this as well. Some people uh, would call me a nerd, but I actually find this stuff really interesting, Ken. Are you working on any other areas um, of study in, in this particular Well, I have, area? Uh, as you know, I've, I've published a number of articles on appointment scheduling and other healthcare efficiency issues. 
One of the first ones that uh, was published uh, now 20 years ago now, um, we ha- found a very interesting finding, which I, it seemed it holds, it still holds uh, in, in for any clinic. If uh, a scheduler knows when a patient calls, if they can estimate fairly accurately how long that appointment is going to take, um, then that patient, if possible, should be scheduled towards the beginning of the scheduling session. But if they can't estimate, if they think, oh, this is a complex problem, I don't know how long the doctor will take with this patient, they should schedule that patient towards the end of the session. So what that what that does is yep. the more certain, the ones that have less variance are at the beginning of the session. And so there's not nearly as much waiting at the beginning. And then later in the session, there might be more waiting, but it's not for as nearly as many patients. And, and so on average, right. the waiting time really goes down. Matter of fact, we found out doctors, they don't even have to change how they work or how they treat patients or how much time. If you can actually do this, you'll reduce waiting time by 10% on average for, for, for everyone. Wow. It, it's really interesting you say that because um, you notice the difference in scheduling between an experienced receptionist at our practice. So, so our practice has been around for 60 years. Some of our receptionists have been working with us for 30 years and they often know the patients and they'll go, yep, they'll take a long time and they'll, they will. They'll schedule them later or they'll give them a yes, double appointment yes. and things like that. So, yeah, so yeah, and, and smart um, physicians and schedulers can figure this stuff out with us doing the math. So that, that really is an important thing to just understand your own practice. One of the studies you looked at, we looked at patient, uh, we call it patient unpunctuality, just patients arriving not when they're supposed to arrive. See, if a patient arrives late, that of course could mess up your schedule. But if they arrive early, they're sitting in the waiting room and the waiting room might be a lot fuller than it needs to be if they arrive early. We did, yeah. When we did the math, I mean, many people have looked at the case where they just assume patients are on time and then they, they do some analysis. If you just add a typical reasonable amount of um, unpunctuality it actually reduces performance of the whole system. And I mean, patient waiting time, idle time, overtime, it reduces it by about 40%. So this is part of going right back to the very beginning. Why is this such a hard problem? It is this uncertainty. It just makes it really hard to, to do well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So if we can give our listeners some take-home messages, firstly, from an individual practitioner point of view, and then from a practice logistical level. So okay. practitioner first, what, what can individual do, GPs do to reduce their waiting well, I don't times? know if I can divide this between individuals and clinics, but uh, I have I actually have six points here that I, that I can give you. The first one I think we sure. already talked about, which is start on time. Yeah, that's an obvious <laughs> one, but yes. <laughs> the second yeah. one would be yes. uh, in order to reduce waiting for all patients on average, a doctor needs to be willing to to stretch out the appointments a bit, be willing to have a little bit of overtime or sorry, idle time occasionally. Like you shouldn't worry if every once in a while, all of a sudden you actually do have idle time. If indeed it's accomplishing the other goal of reducing waiting for, for lots of your patients. So it's kind of a mindset. If there truly is idle time, even three, four or five minutes, there's probably something else that could be done during that time. But uh it is uh, that, that would be the second thing. 
The third thing I also mentioned, which is don't overbook. So don't schedule more people in an hour than you can reasonably serve. Um, And the fourth thing is, if possible, reduce variability. So this involves what I said, scheduling the lower variance patients earlier. Somehow try to increase the predictability of the appointment length. And that may may come from experience of the schedulers. But it also takes, you need to be aware of what's going on in the clinic, um, like on a day-to-day basis and say, if, if things are quite bad on a particular day, which will always happen, try to ask yourself, why is it bad? Like what, what was it our schedule or, or what's going on here? Part of mm-hmm. that reducing variability. I once had a doctor, she, uh, she trained us well to arrive on time. She actually, uh, would cancel our appointment if we arrived more than five minutes late. And so, um, and she was also very good at staying on schedule herself. And so um, it it paid to arrive on time because you didn't have to wait uh, terribly long. Um, The other thing is, I'm not sure how common this is, but uh, I think occasionally when patients arrive early, they get bumped up in the schedule and and seen earlier. Uh, I would recommend you don't, don't do that. Again, this is part of training patients not to arrive too early. Um, if they do arrive early, see them in the order they're scheduled yep. instead of uh, in the order of their arrival. And then, of course, tell people what your practices are, what your queuing practices are in in this area. So I think that's all part of reducing mm. variability, if, mm. if possible. Yep. And yep. the fifth idea is mm. hour by hour real time adjustments. So basically, no, no matter how much we talk about this, there's still going to be some some better days and some worse days. And so if it's a if it's a worse day. Don't be scheduling extra patients in on that day. Like you need to defer. We need to defer them to uh, to a later day. Um, and if it is a good day, then yeah, then we can see people that have colds and flu and whatever, and uh, and fit them in. And lastly, I I do get interested when I hear uh, patients that say every time I go to my doctor I wait thirty minutes, or every time I wait forty five minutes. And to me, that's a consistent issue a consistent problem that if the doctor would take or the clinic would think about um i I call these week by week adjustments think about what's going on how many people in the waiting room and if it's a persistent um, issue that should be able to be addressed if if it's always a 45 minute wait yeah then that should be able to be addressed with some of these ideas we've just talked about now if it's sometimes a five minute wait and sometimes a 30 minute wait then that's a much harder issue to deal with. Um, and we're go- then we go back to try and reduce that variability, try to increase the predictability of, of the length of the appointments. Yep. Great takeaway messages. Thanks very You're much, welcome. Ken. I really appreciate your time for appearing on The Good GP. I'll definitely keep an eye out for your future papers. Hope you enjoy serving your patients and reducing waiting times. Thanks a lot, Ken. Mm-hmm.